Hello there, welcome to A Very Fine House, brought to you by the Energy Pros. This is the show where we help you keep your home safe, comfortable, and efficient. My name's Pete. And I'm Marty. We're the Home Energy Pros. We're going to talk to you about everything you need to know about heating and cooling and insulation, your drafty attic, your windows, your doors, and everything else you need to keep your home safe, comfortable, and efficient. On today's episode, we're going over everything you need to know. Let's get started. So what are we doing here, Marty? Well, Pete, it's difficult to turn on the television or open up your browser on the internet and not read or hear something about energy and sustainability and going green. What we do, though, at our company at Barry Installation is we have dealt over the past 10 to 12 years with thousands of homeowners, helping them solve issues surrounding comfort, safety, and efficiency in their homes. So you're almost a how-to manual, giving them some real insights in how to do this and, and sometimes doing it for them. Yes, I think so. Um, we've seen every different type of house configuration and, and very, very many interesting people. We've dealt with tiny houses, uh, mobile homes, penthouses, apartment buildings. Any outhouses? No, no outhouses. No, no. <laughs> no outhouses, no. And then regular family houses, three-bedroom, colonials, bungalows, and very large houses. So we've Seen it all. By that, I mean we've seen many different types of configurations of homes. Mm-hmm. And so you, with those, I'm sure you get a lot of commonly asked questions. Uh, this is the, the FAQ of, of your business. What are some of the things you, you guys you know, have seen most commonly? What's interesting about our business, Pete, is people usually contact us with a problem. Um, nobody wants to buy insulation. They would like rather have granite countertops, as would I, or a new kitchen or something you can see and utilize every day. But people call us with problems, such as uh, the second floor of my house is 10 to 15 degrees warmer in the summer than the downstairs, and the opposite in the winter. Uh, My basement smells so funky I can hardly use it. Um, We put an addition on years ago, and that addition is always cold. My daughter's bedroom is not usable. Uh, We have ice dams that could damage the roof and cause safety issues around the house. So One of the reasons I thought this podcast might be interesting to folks is there is a certain commonality to problems. And if we can use this as an educational tool to help people get a jump on how how they can improve their homes and also save some money. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, funky house basement person, uh, (laughs) it sounds like a personal problem, but (laughs) no, you have some issues. Yes, there's some things we can do to some things. There are some limits, but there are some things we can do. For example, just this past week during this cold spell, we received a call from the Ebens in Bay Village, a beautifully remodeled house in Bay Village, and uh, they're having pipes freezing. There are second-floor bedrooms uh, that kids sleep over when they visit were basically unusable because they were so cold. And through some diagnostic techniques, using infrared cameras and some other tools. Sounds like (laughs) James Bond over here. uh, We'll talk about that in some future episodes. But using some diagnostic techniques and visual observation, we were able to do a number of things. They had issues with 
undervalued insulation, and second-story attics that were uninsulated. They had a lot of air leaks into the attic, which also brought in pests. You know, they had a mice problem that was a result of that also. And then they had a ventilation issue where some of their bath fans and exhausts were not ventilated properly, nor was their roof. So at a very reasonable cost, I believe, we were able to address all those areas, uh, improve the insulation, reduce the air infiltration, improve the ventilation, stop the freezing pipes. And I think we dem- we could document in their case about a 35% improvement of overall efficiency wow. just through insulation. Fantastic. So that 35% savings, that's fantastic. So you're talking about a, a payback period on the whole project and call it three years. It's hard, it's hard to calculate exactly what the paybacks are, but it depends on where you start in your home. But typically we tell folks, um, I think most projects have a financial payback of anywhere from three to six years. But more importantly, uh, the return on investment over the life of the install, 20, 25, 30 years, you're saving the energy every month, month after month, year after year, after you make that investment. Yep. It's compounding. And energy costs, of course, are rising. Right. So there's this kind of ongoing education that you guys are providing to the consumer. Uh, think of it almost as like a owner's manual for their house and how they, they tackle these kind of uh, different things. Sure. All right. So, so that's the general idea of the podcast. And I think everyone can see the, the value of uh, what we'll be discussing and some of the topics um, but what what are what let's you know, brass tacks? What are some of these topics? Just to to, to go hammer through them. Uh, we're certainly talking about insulation, which is our area of expertise at Barry Insulation. But certainly the heating and ventilation system, air conditioning systems, uh, the windows and doors. There's everyone's always talking about windows and doors on television and in advertisements. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, issues in the attic and basement. And we also want to talk about some other things like indoor air quality, which is very important. Um, we're going to touch on utility costs, uh, tax credits, and incentives and other— Well, that's, it's quite an exhaustive list, right. I, I can say. Yes. Uh, but, but, very you know, interesting. How about we take a short break— uh, right here, and we'll come back when we talk about it, and we can do our best to uh, to de- delve a little bit deeper into some of those topics. Great. And we're back. So listen, Marty, my house built in 1953 has a lot of those issues. I don't even know where to begin with this. So how would you you know educate and and, and consult somebody like myself and Mind you, you know, we're just talking about my house, not my uh, mental, uh, your psychological. Very fine, your very fine my house, very fine you mean? house. Of course. That's right. <laughs> the first thing I, we try to do, Pete, is listen to our customers because the p- people spend a lot of time in their homes. Uh, they love their homes usually, and they're familiar, and they have a problem. That That's why they called us. Like I said, no one wants to spend money with us if they don't have to. It's a diagnostic. What? Yeah. Well, we listen to the customer, and then sometimes we try to, you know, we're not doctors, but we try to then use that information to lead us to a solution. But it starts with some very basic diagnostics, listening to the customer, and uh, there are some diagnostic tools we can use to pinpoint these specific problems. Over the phone, or or this is an in-person? No, no, in-person visit, usually a 20- or 30-minute walk through the house. We have infrared cameras we can use to determine 
the level of insulation in walls and hidden spaces, a visual observation of attics and crawl spaces and places that people never go. Mm -hmm. There are some also diagnostic tools to test the efficacy and efficiency of a furnace. And we take all that information and then compile a uh, prescription. We call it an energy assessment for a customer. We used to call it energy audits, but we decided and learned very quickly, no one wants to get audited. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we, a, we do an energy yeah. assessment that outlines uh, with some objective numbers, uh, which we'll get into in some subsequent episodes, um, predictive numbers on how we can improve the house. So it's a pretty thorough, comprehensive diagnostic on the home. Sure, a prescription. Like prescription. I said, we're not doctors, but yeah. a prescription that, in, that details the various things one could do to improve their comfort and efficiency, not all of which are feasible and not all of which, you know, someone might uh, uh, undertake at this time. So it's a roadmap of sorts. Yeah, so that makes sense to me. So after you have the roadmap, the prescription, um, you know, the name of your company is has the word insulation in it. So is that normally the first step in a lot of the the, the situations? Yes, insulation. So when we're looking at a house like yours or any of the number of other types of houses we've seen, there are three pillars of improving the building shell of the home, and that revolves around insulation, uh, ventilation, and air sealing. And if I can digress for a moment with a little, little physics lesson, I know you're a wow. liberal arts major from a very fancy college. Well, so, yeah, yeah. D, D is for <laughs> diploma. <laughs> right, right. But, but <laughs> In the well, physics this, class, this anyway. This is important, as my wife says, very boring also, but uh, there are three types, when you're living in your house, this 1950s house, or it could be, a ninth, could be a house built in the year 2000, there are three things that affect the comfort of your home. And that is the, the, the amount of heat that is conducted through the walls of the house, how much is convected, and how much radiant heat you get into the oh, house. So hold that's on, man. super complicated. I, I'm gonna, I, I don't have my computer to look up right, convected. Right. So, so con- what, conduction, and this is important, at least to me. Conduction is the is transfer of heat from the inside to the outside. So okay. today's 40 degrees outside, your house is at 70. The goal of your house is to keep the 40-degree temperature out and to equalize the house at 70 degrees. The transfer of heat inside out is called conductive heat. And you know about this if you've ever held a spoon in a fire or uh, over your stove. That's conductive. It's transfer of heat through a solid medium. Is that too complicated for a... Kid from a fancy college? <laughs> That's pretty the good. Sec- the second is convective heat transfer, which is when the wind hits the house and forces cold air into the house through cracks and gaps. And then the third is the radiant heat that comes from the sun. And, and that's particularly important with windows. So if you keep those, I, I know this is boring, but if you keep those three no. types of heat transfer in mind, that will uh, uh, speak to the different things we're going to talk about. Conduction. Convection, radiation, and then air sealing, insulation, and ventilation. How's wow. that? That's uh, that's excellent answer. And <laughs> so, and uh, so how does that yeah. how does that relate to your house? So yeah. when you ins- so when we insulate the house, we're usually look- looking at the sidewalls. Do the ho- houses does does your house have insulation in the sidewalls? Does it have insulation in the attic space or sufficient insulation? And is the house air sealed? So air sealed, okay. So air seal means simply, do you have a lot of cracks in your house or gaps that allow cold air to come in the house in the winter, hot air in the summer? That could be through a door. It could be through your foundation. It could be through a window that's 
misaligned or is damaged or could be from your attic. So air seal. We would look at how can we air seal this house better. Right, and I assume with some of this, you'd have to um, be looking at any entry point to the house, any window, any door. That's uh, there, correct. There's, you know, I assume more uh, diagnostics and and fancy words. No, I'm kidding. Right. But but more 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 things to look at there, right? Right. Air sealing is is the easiest and least expensive impact you can have on your house. Weather strip your doors, caulk those gaps in the basement. It's just simple things like that. That's the first step. And then you can retrofit and add insulation to the sidewalls or add insulation to your attic. For example, if one of our listeners were to go up to their attic and they look and if they saw three or four inches of insulation, if they stuck their head up in their attic or walked up their attic, uh, the current building code in, in Ohio and the Midwest is 14 inches. So many times when we go into very nice or very fine houses, we can double or triple or quadruple the amount of insulation in their attic, which has a tremendous impact yeah, on the comb. I would think that's so a that's, huge that's, entry point for the That's con- some of the things you can do around— and conduction. Of course. Of, of uh, air. And so, that would affect the conductive heat that comes to the house and the convective. Heat goes out. Yeah. It's kind of like windbreaker sweater. Yeah. If I go outside and I have a sweater on, that's keeping me warm. But if I put a windbreaker on, it keeps the wind from— Keeping me cold. One other thing, too, I'm thinking when people call, they might have just got a real high energy bill and are frustrated by it. So they call you guys. What are some things you, you talk about with uh, energy bills? It's interesting. Among the thousands and thousands of customers we've talked to over the years, Pete, um, very few have made their first inquiry with us or had conversations with us about their energy bills because a lot of people assume that the energy bill and the amount of money they're spending on energy is a function of the type of house they want to live in. That is right. a fixed cost that can't be addressed. Yep. So we can help change that by some of the things we talked about, some of those fancy words we used, and uh, impact the energy bill um, in that way. For example, um, just a couple of weeks ago, we, a typical house, we worked with some folks in a community near Cleveland who had just remodeled their house and, and uh done a lot of work, and it was a beautiful house, but they experienced frozen pipes. Uh, The second floor bedrooms were too cold or too hot for their grandkids to stay in. They had some um, air infiltration, drafts. They also had a little mice problem that came as a result of the drafts, and we were able to take this diagnostic approach that I mentioned, address those issues, and through air sealing, insulation, and ventilation, remember those three things? Yep. Yep. Uh, improve their efficiency by a measurable amount of about 30%. Wow. 35%. Wow. And what do you do with the mice then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> or dirt. Yes. yes. No, no, so, so, um, no more mice. And, and, and one thing you, you showed uh, me and, and, and coworker Steve when you came into our office that the, the consumer actually has a choice in their in their energy. I, maybe you can explain a little bit about that. We'll get into it more in a future episode, but I was, I was just in yes. disbelief about this. In, in Ohio and in most of the Midwest and quite, most states around the U.S. today, uh, consumers now have a choice from whom they're going to buy their energy, from, who you buy your, from whom you buy your natural gas or your electricity. And it's similar to um, purchasing gasoline for your car. Gas is, you know, now it's three fifty a gallon, but 
uh, the the gas station down the street might be three eighty, and the one downtown might be three twenty. You can choose yep. where you buy your energy, and consumers can save money by choosing low cost suppliers with different terms of service, a one year deal or two year deal, and things like that. So you can save by purchasing energy better, and and this is a huge savings. I mean, yes, natural gas is off more than seventy five off its percent off its peak prices, and I think. You know, maybe not everyone knows that who doesn't pay attention to commodity, you know, markets and prices. Right. So two things, just like if you're using the analogy of a car, you can um, improve your home by some of the things we're talking about and also purchase the fuel at a lower cost. So use less and pay less per unit. You've mentioned the heating and the cooling of the house. So, you know, HVAC is something that you know, first of all, what does HVAC stand for? Help us with that term and, and what it entails. Sure, HVAC stands for heating, ventilating, and air conditioning. And let's take those separately. So heating, we all need heat in our house, particularly here in the Midwest. Most, I think, two-thirds of the homes in the United States are heated with natural gas. And most of us have forced air furnaces, ductwork and fans and things like that. I think you have that in your house. Right. And like many things, the technology has really improved and advanced, much like in cars, going back to the car analogy. Um, if you haven't changed your furnace in the last 10 years, you probably have a 70 or 80% efficient furnace. That means for every dollar you spend or every unit of natural gas you use, 20 or 30% of it's going up the chimney and is being wasted. Mm. Today, if you upgrade your furnace, you can get a 90% furnace, 92 all the way up to 96, even a 98% efficient furnace. So regardless of what you do with the insulation or the shell of the house, your saving could be 10, 15, 20% just by having a more efficient wow. system. Wow. But it's still, it's a big investment, and, uh, but th- that's some of the technology improvements. And there's other things surrounding furnaces, which we'll get into in subsequent episodes about controls and fans and different things. So. Suffice to say that for gas furnaces, the technology has advanced, has advanced greatly, and you can have a more efficient system. And the same goes for electric furnaces. There's a big push on right now to get people to switch to electric furnaces and heat pumps. And in the same fashion, there's been a lot of improvements in the efficiency there. What's that push? Is that from an environmental standpoint? It's better for the environment or, or... I would say that's debatable, but our government is pushing us towards uh, reducing the amount of natural gas we're using Uh and switching more to electricity, whether it's cars or heating. I'd say the jury's still out on that a little bit, but we could have a whole episode on that as well. Yeah, it it sounds like each of these topics you kind of peel back the onion on. And and the question always comes up, you know, do I need a new furnace? Uh, Should you get a new furnace? And it's a big investment, and there's, again, some di- diagnostic tools that can test the current efficiency of your furnace to see if it's degraded. My advice to folks is always, you know, if your furnace is working well uh, and it's operating as efficient as it can be, you're probably best to let it serve out its useful life and then right. see, where, see where the technology's at when that system is if, ready if, to if, fail. If it ain't broke, why fix it? But so, and, and a thing like that, a useful life of a furnace, how many is it, are we talking year or you know, decades or, you know? 
I don't want to get in trouble with furnace folks, but I think yeah. most furnaces purchased today have a useful life of 15 years. Okay. 20, you're probably pushing it. And um, it's a fairly big capital investment, of course. Air conditioning is a different animal, and the, the amount of air conditioning capacity you need is a function of a lot of things a little bit different than your furnace. It has to do with the types of windows you have, the amount of sun that's on your house, one big function of how much air conditioning you need and how much yeah. you need to spend on that is your individual preference. Right. How I, comfortable are people? I mean, I, I still remember even to this day in my parents' home growing up outside of Chicago, it was always a, a big production to get the, the window unit into the into the window and right. <laughs> yes. arguments and, you know, and yelling and screaming, but then the, the end product was that room was really, really cool, and we spent a lot of time in that room. So much, much like furnaces, air conditioners have become more efficient, also, and you can buy a more efficient unit. But air conditioning is a little more complicated because two things: in the summertime, if you just think about it for a moment, in the summertime, in the Midwest, if it's ninety degrees in August, most people are comfortable at. 72 degrees. So you're trying to overcome at most a 20 degree temperature difference. Right. In the winter, we just had horrible storms over Christmas Eve. It was zero, minus 10 degrees. You're trying to overcome against an 80 degree temperature difference. So it's a different animal. And air conditioning and comfort, because the topic of our show is safety, comfort, and efficiency, right? Yep. Comfort in the summer or in the cooling months is largely a function of humidity. And humidity can be addressed in a number of different ways, which we'll talk about later on and dive into that. Air conditioning's a little bit different yeah, um, no, it, for those it sounds reasons. Like we, again, with each topic, uh, I have about a, uh, a kindergarten understanding of, and, and I would say I'm talking to a PhD student who's explaining it. That's kind but, of the But you went to a very this. fancy school, though, you know. Well, I didn't take any uh, HVAC Right, <laughs> right. Well, that's why you need people like us <laughs> and our crew. You can't go more than a commercial set or two in, into a, watching a ball game, and then you have all the window and doors commercials, and I kind of just tune them out, but I know there's probably something there that would make our, our homes more safe and, and more comfortable and, and efficient. So... What are some of the things that you think about with regard to windows and doors? Well, when in a typical home, uh, if there is such a thing, but on average, I would say windows account for anywhere from 15% to 25% of the surface area of the home. And they, they bring in light and they make the home look good. And, you know, and um, there is a lot of marketing out there about windows. There's three things that, that affect windows that relate to windows as it relates to our subject matter, safe, comfortable, and efficient. One is, are they installed properly? Yep. And are they functional? Or are they damaged or they don't open properly? And are they letting air infiltration into the house? That's the convection thing we talked about a few Mm -hmm. minutes ago. So that's one thing. And then when you get into the window itself about choosing new windows, if you have single pane windows in your house, that's kind of the one extreme those probably should be replaced because single pane have a low R value. And R value being just the, the quality? Yes, R value means, and we didn't touch on this in the installation section, but an R value, which you see uh, on products when you go to Home Depot or Lowe's or walk around a lumber yard, relates to the level of thermal conductivity of a material. The higher the R value of a material, 
the better it resists heat transfer. Okay. okay. Makes sense. So, you know, if you have four inches of insulation in your walls, that's like an R13. If you have 14 inches in your attic, that's R49. Yep. Windows have very, very low thermal, they're very high thermal conductivity, but a single pane window um, has about one third the R value of a typical double pane or triple pane window. Okay. So, single pane win windows. Not so good. You, you can make an improvement. You can do better. Yep. Um, second, the window frame itself. There's all different types of frames. And we'll dive into this in our segment on windows, but you have aluminum windows, wood, vinyl, all of them have different characteristics. And, but, and even glass block. I, I recently had to uh, replace a glass block. Not me, but I, I hired somebody to re replace glass block, which had a, uh, cracks in it, right? And I think somebody might have hit a slap shot. It might have been me um, at, the, at the glass block. But, right. So, yeah. so most, most windows sold today are at least double pane. And there's three things to consider about with, with windows. It's the number of panes, double pane, triple pane, single pane. You want to at least have double. Uh, the... Gap in between the panes is usually filled with an inert gas like argon. And then there's a coating on windows. So if you look at a label, a sticker at a store on a window, it has the U value, which is a measure of the R value, the inverse of it. And it has the type of filling it has and a coating. And then it has something called a solar heat gain coefficient. If you've ever stood in front of a single pane window, it's like, Standing under a magnifying glass. I'm okay. glad you're saying that because you're starting to lose me when you're talking about U values and R values yeah. and co coefficient, uh, covalence. But I can understand standing under a magnifying glass, so that makes makes sense to me. How about on the door side of things? What are we talking about there? Well, doors are part of your building shell, and the first thing with most doors is um, they should be insulated, and more importantly. Closed properly and sealed properly. How many times have you gone into a house, Pete, including my own, by the way, when I go home tonight, it's going to be a big sock under my, the front door because it <laughs> yeah. leaks. Yeah, right. And so that's because the door is not sealed properly. So the first thing the folks can do to improve their comfort in their home is to make sure the doors are sealed and closed properly. Yep. If you're replacing the door, setting aesthetics aside, you can get insulated doors. And different levels of insulation on the door. Interesting. So that's a little bit about doors. So as as you can see, there's a lot of aspects of the home that we'll get into, and and, and in terms of making it more safe and, and more comfortable and, and more efficient. Um, we're just about running out of time here, uh, but we hope that you uh, folks and listeners have, have enjoyed the conversation thus far, and and you know kind of a primer for what we'll get into uh, during this season. So. Do you want to hit one lightning yeah. rod on indoor air quality and solar? Then we can piece all this together later. Right? Take the two and... Sure. So... We also talk about, you know, air quality. What are you mostly talking about when you think about air quality? Well, when we're up here in the Midwest, we're inside our houses a lot, particularly in the winter. And as you make your house tighter or insulate your house and make it more efficient, indoor air quality suffers. So the enemy of an energy-efficient building shell or house is indoor air quality. What do I mean by that? If your house is leaky, means it has a lot of convective leakage, going back to that yep. term, yep. Uh, it airs out. It changes over the air, gets rid of cooking smells, lowers the humidity, 
and makes the house healthier. If you tighten up the house and you reduce the amount of air changes in the house, you have to introduce ventilation or other measures to make the house healthy. Uh, if you have a lot of people, if you have pets, if you're cooking, allergens, dust uh, can cause serious problems for many people. And that's um, one thing that has to be considered as you change the makeup of a house that may have been there for 20, 30, 40, even 100 years. So indoor air quality and insulation and ventilation have to go hand in hand. Oh, that'll be a f very interesting and, and um, especially topical now given the uh, you know, post-pandemic world that we're entering into. Yes. Everyone's very conscious of that. So we have a, a lot of topics as as folks can see that we'll dive into. Uh, we're just about out of time here, but we do hope that uh, folks have enjoyed the uh, conversation so far and a little primer on what we have coming up. Uh, we have a lot of local pros uh, from Marty's network that he's worked with and knows. They're going to be sharing their insights. And we think uh, our goal is to make this as useful as we can for uh, all the consumers and homeowners out there. Thanks, Pete. Those were all great questions. And... Um uh, we're really looking forward to sharing more and more insights with uh, our folks and uh, we hope we can educate people and they find this very useful. It should be fun. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Pete Carroll. And I'm Marty Berry. And this has been a very fine house with the Energy Pros, sponsored by Berry Insulation. Now you can find Berry Insulation at Twitter with the handle Berry Insulation. Or on our email, berryinsulation at gmail. That's berry like strawberry. With an E? With an E. <laughs> <laughs> Got a question that you think we can answer? Hit us up. We'll answer it on the show. Learn about Berry Insulation on the website or in the description on the podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, a five-star rating, of course, would go a long way. We appreciate it. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. Our sound designer, audio engineer, and producer is Noah Fouts, recorded at Evergreen Podcasts. Executive producers, Michael D'Aloya and David Allen Moss. We'll see you next episode. And if you only remember one thing from this podcast, it's this. Noah, you got to do me a favor before What's we meet on? again. You got to watch The Graduate. <laughs> it's a good one. It, it is a good one.